The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Yes, indeed, they are all around us. Our loved ones who have passed, our guides, angels, if we just call on them, they inspire us so much. I'm in such a great mood today. I had some epiphanies in the last 48 hours. And when you apply correct thinking, like our author does in her books, it just changes your world. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm coming to you live today from Boise, Idaho. We've been here for about a week, heading off to other parts of Idaho tomorrow, but I'm thrilled to bring to you today New York Times best-selling author Pam Grout. If you don't know of her, I hope you learn about her today and run and get her books because she is sassy, irreverent, smart, wise, all of those things. Uh, I just love her work. I first was introduced to Pam through her book E Squared, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But lately, I picked up her book The Course in Miracles Experiment, a starter kit for rewiring your mind and therefore the world. I love that subtitle to the subtitle. But you know, you think that best-selling authors, they have everything going for them. Their life is wonderful. But her life took a turn a couple years ago when her daughter crossed the veil. So she's a shining light parent, like so many of us that listen to this show. And we'll be talking about all of that today. Pam, this kind of convoluted introduction, but welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Suzanne. It's such a pleasure to be here. <laughs> well, I just, I'm almost wary of where we're going to go here because some of your things in your book are so sassy. And you, I mean, you, you say things that sometimes you kind of go, whoa. And then it's like, I love that she's, she wrote that anyway. <laughs> Maybe you don't know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm kind of known for that a little bit. And I think it's really fun. Well, I talk a lot about spiritual topics, of course, and I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously when it comes to spiritual things, and I think God, or the field of infinite potentialities, I often call it, I, well, I often say, hey, it doesn't matter what you call it, but this bigger thing that we're all connected to, it could care less what we call it. It wants us to call it forth. That's the important thing. So I'll call it the mothership, you know, the... Uh, the dude, um, the dude, you call the it. dude, I'll call it all kinds of different things. So yeah, I can be a little irreverent. But I like that. I think it's, it's good to have a practice that's fun and more sustainable that way. 
I love that. And that's, that's so when I say getting a little wary of what you might say, it's totally tongue in cheek because to read your book, The Course in Miracles Experiment, Experiment, and you refer repeatedly to the dude, it's perfect because it takes God off this pedestal where this being that is not a being doesn't want to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you have. Is it still 20 books, or is there another one since I was told 20 books? Yes. No, this book that came out in January um, of 2020 is my 20th book, and I have a special um, connection to the number 222, so it's my 20th book in 2020. And, you know, that connection with 222 is, of course, with my daughter, um, who did, you know, cross to the other side um, in October, on October 15th, 2018, so not even a full two years yet. But yeah. she and I had a real thing. I mean, we have all kinds of little signals and signs that, we've, that we always did, you know, when she was in the physical. I mean, just fun little games and things that we did. But one of them was 222. So it was kind of significant to me that my 20th book did come out in 2020. <laughs> So, um, I mean, among other things, you know, I started a foundation in her honor called the 222 Foundation, and I just have, you know, tons of stories about 222. So that's been a way she can stay connected to me or I can stay connected to her. She's a lot better at being connected to me than I am (laughs) to her because I'm still living here in the material plane. So, but anyway, 222 is one of those ways that kind of helps me pay attention. So I, I have questions here that, that I could ask you, but I really would rather just ask what comes up as you speak. And as you're saying that, uh, how did what you know spiritually help you after Taz passed? Well, it's interesting because if you look at the whole bigger picture, and I'm always talking about, you know, the pointless painting, you know, when we've got our nose right up against it, all we see are the dots, but, you know, when we step back, we see a bigger picture. And so the last thing I would have ever wanted or ever thought was going to happen to me was, you know, losing my only child. I mean, I can't even tell you how shattering that was. And I think in the beginning when it happened, it really pulled me into the material plane. You know, the you know we're multidimensional beings, right? We're, we live on all these yeah. different layers. But in this world, we're mostly aware of the physical. So I've been studying all the different layers and, you know, being in touch with this bigger reality for a long time. I mean, that's my main spiritual practice. However, when this happened, it was such a shocking thing. It was so sudden, so, I mean totally unexpected. I mean, I'm texting with her on the telephone. I mean, we're going to go see a movie. And next thing I know, there's a um, a policeman on my door saying she's at the local hospital and I got a life flighter to Kansas City. She had an aneurysm. I mean, it just happened like that. I mean, I'm texting her, we're going to a movie. And then this happened. And it was literally the day after we come back from my mother's funeral. So 2018 was very interesting. My father died in April. My mother died, um, uh, what was it? It was 10 days before Taz died on the 15th, so it must have been October 3rd, or wait, whatever that comes out to. I don't know my mom's exact date of passing, but I know Taz yeah. was October 15th, so hers must have been the 6th. Yeah, my mom passed on the 6th. So anyway, it was just shocking. And, you know, with my parents, it was so easy to 
practice the spiritual principles I know, to know they're in a better place, to know that they're still connected. You know, all of that was easy because they were in their 80s. You know, they were unhealthy mm-hmm. in the physical world. And, you know, it was just, it was easy for me. In fact, I remember Taz saying, you know, that week of my mom's funeral when we're home and we're doing all that, I remember Taz saying to me, Mom, you're just handling this so well. I mean, I look at your brother and sister, you know, Aunt Becky and Uncle Bobby, and, you know, they're not handling it so well. It's like I said, well, I just know, you know, that they're not really gone. I'd always been interested in, you know, reading those books like Billy Fingers and, I don't know, have you heard of The Afterlife of Billy Fingers? And some of those books are Ben Alexander and Anita Morjani is a friend of mine. In fact, she knows Taz. And so, you know, I'd always been in touch with this other reality. So for my parents, it was pretty easy. But when Taz passed over, it it really took me into just deep, deep, deep grief. And um, it, I mean, talk about wanting, you know, talking about the PhD program, you know, I guess I signed up in life for this, you know, PhD program. In fact, my joke used to be, you know, God had, you know, that little thing about God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And sure. I used to joke, well, you know, God didn't have any faith in me because he gave me the perfect child. I mean, that's what I used to say all the time. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, not that I really even think God does do that. But, you know, in the end, God had faith that somehow I would get through this. And I have to say, in the the first year, I sort of thought, well, I was going to go too. You know, I was ready to go too. And mm-hmm. here it is, um, you know, 20 months later, and I'm still here. And so I have to know that somehow I've got a bigger purpose here um, and I, I'm still meant to be here because if you believe in, you know, divine intelligence and that things, you know, work out the way they're meant to, and that is my spiritual practice, and I have to believe there's a reason that I am still here. And so what it has done for me is I have had to go from that material world to go to a little bit bigger level, to go to some of those dimensions that you talk about and that you write about and that you channel. So it's really forced me to, um, you know, call on those bigger, higher parts of myself. And you have to think there's a a reason somehow or some kind of plan. I remember if I can just mention that I did a reading for you and I don't remember any details, but I remember your daughter, she has to be an old soul. She just was wise and smart. I just remember her energy just blowing me away. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this part, but there were all these lights and orbs and things floating around, you know, at towards the end of the um, session that we did on the on the video portion of it. And one of the things about Taz, like I said, you know, I, I always said she was, you know, the perfect child, but she was always like the wisest person in the room, you know, no matter where you were, she was the wisest person. You know, according to French, she was always the most fun person. She was the most playful. She just always... I don't know, new things. In fact, we used to joke, oh, you're from another planet because, you know, you don't get into all the little picky, weird, petty things that so many people get into, you know, like her friends would be so worried about what they look like and who had the coolest shoes and, you know, all that stuff that we get into here on the physical yep. plane. And Taz just never was into that in any real way. So, you know, as I look kind of at a bigger picture, she somehow always knew a lot of these things. In fact, I'm sure that, um, you know, the books and the success that I had had to come from, you know, being a parent to Taz, because honestly, I did not write a book. You know, now I've written 20, but I hadn't written a book until I was, I was always a writer. I was a travel writer going all over the world. But as, you know, once I became a parent, and that alone was kind of a shocking thing that I became a parent, because I was um, 36, 37 years old. I was not married. I mean, the last thing I thought was going to happen, that I would become a parent. But interestingly enough, I 
went to a psychic. Um, I had just done the six-month breathing program, rebirthing program in Connecticut, and a friend of mine was going to see a psychic that had come in from California. And, I, and she said, hey, come with me. So, you know, we go in there, and the psychic goes around the room and tells everybody what their next purpose in life. Got to me, looked at me, and she said, oh, your next purpose in life is motherhood. <laughs> and I, I'm like, oh, why, yeah, this is ridiculous. We walk out of there, and I said to that my friend, I go, that psychic is full of baloney. Well, within three weeks, I was pregnant. <laughs> and, oh indeed, I, it, you know, my next facet of life was motherhood. It was, I mean, and being a mom, I mean, I always say this, you know, people go, oh, you're a best-selling author, blah, blah, blah. But being Taz's mom really was, is the best thing that I've ever done. And I still feel very connected to her. I still want to be connected to her. I met this mom the other day, also, I guess what you call a shining light parent, and she said that she is, you know, loves her son even more now than she did before, and that made me feel so happy because I thought, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. still love Taz even more. Even, you know, every year she says she loves loves him more and more every year, and he passed in 1993. So, so anyway, that was just kind of a yeah. cool thing for me to, to think cool. about that. And I want to talk about some of the signs that she sent you, but I do want to ask for the sake of those who who are grieving right now. And here you are, you're this spiritual author. Did you beat yourself up for not being able to pick yourself up? You know, I think every person, if you're a human being, you probably beat yourself up at some time or another. I mean, I just think that's what we human beings do. You know, we have these crazy thoughts. You know, in that new book I've got, I call it the ego. You know, those thoughts that go through our mind that try Mm -hmm. to pull us away from the truth. The truth is, you know, that we are this bigger thing and we're connected to this bigger force. But the ego is always trying to get in the way. So I don't care who you are. I think you're going to have some of those doubts and those... um, those things happening. But I do have to say, you know, a lot of my books are about gratitude and happiness and joy. And so here I am, the happiness, gratitude, and joy person. And suddenly, you know, the worst thing that can happen on the material plane happened to me. So it, it just confronted every one of my beliefs, every one of my thoughts. And I mean, and, and I mean, to this day, people go, well, how'd you get over it? I was like, are you kidding me? You do not get over it. You learn how to deal with it. You learn how to relate to them in a different way. As I said in a blog post once, just like it was very apparent, you know, at the time of her passing, that she was no longer that little baby in the flowered, you know, bassinet. Mm-hmm. She was no longer the first year, you know, the first grader that was going off to school with a little pink backpack. You know, she was no longer those things. And now, of course, she's no longer, you know, she grew into this wise, beautiful adult who I related to, you know, on a, an adult. We were, that's, I mean, I have so many sad things. Like, she and I were just really having, I mean, we always were kind of best friends because, again, I'm a single, I was a single parent, although I've had many, many people in my community and much help throughout my life. But, you know what I mean? It was just, we had a very special bond and a special relationship. Mm-hmm. But so now it's, you know, a different kind of bond and a different kind of relationship that I'm learning to to navigate. But I'm still learning it. I'm still, you know, um, you know, uh, <laughs> having to practice this on a daily basis. But you asked me if I beat myself up. Yeah, I'm sure there were times when I beat myself up, certainly, yes. But your yes. book all is... The, it's so full ahead, of practical sorry. tools, the, the Course in Miracles experiment. I, I love what you said. You don't get over it. You learn to deal with it in a new way. And if I were you, I would be. I would have been reading one page of your own book every day because it's just these little beautiful little reminders. There is a greater reality. So show me how to adjust. 
Well, it's interesting. You say you'd be reading it. I was writing that book. I was halfway through that book at the time Kaz passed. It was due February after she died in October. And again, I think when we look at the bigger picture, which, you know, is a gift to you. It's like, wow, that, that book probably saved me because I had that to do. And I certainly could have said to my publisher, hey, I'm not going to be able to get this in on time. And everybody would have understood. But yeah. for me, it felt like the right thing to do to keep writing it and to keep going with it. So, um, I mean, there were days I'm like, yeah, I don't believe this at all. You know, like you said, kicking myself. But, but overall, I think it kept me going. So I think it was just the right thing to do to kind of get me through just that initial just shock. I mean, you know, like I said, it takes a while to even get used to this idea that this really did happen. I, I'm still yes. learning to, to cope with this new reality. Yeah. I want to get back to Taz and the signs, but as we're talking about the Course in Miracles experiment, a starter kit for rewiring your mind and therefore the world, what I love about this book, and so I really hope you guys will check it out, is that if you're like me, you probably have the statistics, Pam, but most people pick up A Course in Miracles and they're all enthusiastic and they're going to do the once a day practice or one page per day practices that require doing something several times a day. And I've tried it several times and have not gotten past week three. (laughs) And the language is a little bit highfalutin. But what you've done is you've taken A Course in Miracles and you've taken the 365 days and made them fun to read and interesting to read and fun to practice. So it's just well, that a, was it's my just goal a, with this thing. And that's kind of how this all came about. You know, as as you know, as you are the same, we're looking for guidance, always looking for guidance. So what ended up happening with this book in the beginning of twenty eighteen, you know, January first, twenty eighteen, I started in on the Course in Miracles like I do every year. You know, every year <laughs> I start on the first with lesson one and I go through the through the lessons. So I decided in 2018, this is long before Taz died or my dad, you know, this is still January of 2018. So I decided, to, and I started blogging about my experience with The Course in Miracles. So like, hey, it's January 1st, here's what I think about this. And then January 2nd. And it didn't take long before I started getting emails and, and messages on my blog, you need to turn this into a book. And about yeah. the 50th message I got like that, I'm like, oh, Maybe I'm getting some guidance here. <laughs> Sometimes I can yeah. be a little slow. But anyway, so then I put together a proposal and sent it off to my publisher. And then, of course, I did get the book contract to do the book. So I really felt like I was summoned. I mean, one of the things The Course in Miracles suggests is that we will get guidance and that we're all entitled to guidance. We're all entitled to, to blessings, to, to joy. I mean, this is what we're meant to have and do in this world. But we've created this other reality that we've put over it, you know, what I call problem state or what the Course would call the scarcity principle, all these things that are not true in the bigger reality, but because our minds are so powerful, we've created this whole problem state, and then, you know, our ego's always trying to drag us back into problem state. But anyway, so what it is is a way of rewiring your mind to get back to what is really true. You know, what is true, I mean, as far as in the instance of Taz, you know, it says all the time, one of the main lessons it repeats over and over again, I am not a body, I am free. Who I really am is not a body. Who Taz really is is not a body. I mean, that lesson yeah. is repeated throughout the course so many times. I was like, what does that mean? And I mean, I get what you're saying about it. it's a dense book and it's hard to understand. And so I think... 
my assignment, you know, if I had an assignment, was to try to make it to where people can maybe understand it a little bit or at least have a little bit more fun with it. Because I always say, you know, you want it to be sustainable. You want to keep at it. Well, if it's fun, you're going to mm-hmm. stay with it more likely than if it becomes a chore like, oh, I've got to read that stupid course. And You know what I mean? If you're thinking of it yeah. like that, you're not going to do it. So I tried to make it to where it was fun. And, um, I mean, the ultimate goal for everybody is to eventually get in touch with the voice or the, you know, the bigger thing, whatever you want to call it. And mm-hmm. everybody can ultimately do that. And that is what the Course in Miracles attempts for us to do is to get in touch with that voice. Yeah, yeah. But you've just overcome the, the main resistance people have, that they don't understand it. And some of the things that you write in here, of course, they're hard for some people to swallow if they are mired in the material world. But it gets you thinking. And it's just, I mean, you should see it. I've, I'm like halfway through the book. I'm, I just love picking it up and putting it down. And I've, it's just underline this, underline that. It's my favorite kind of pickup book. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's, that's really nice to hear. Coming from now, you, that means a lot. Oh, oh, thank you. So let's get back to Taz. We're going to just kind of bounce around a little bit here. Everybody loves to hear about signs. Did you, did you have signs right away that made you say, wait a minute, she's not gone? Well, okay, here's – this is really amazing. Okay, she died October 15th. Um, in November, I was scheduled to go to India for, you know, it had been scheduled long before with an outfit called Tribes for Good. And after Taz died, I'm like, how can I possibly go to India? I mean, you know, I was just so bereft, like I said. Yeah. But it came to me very clearly that I was still meant to go. So I called my best friend from college because she had expressed some interest in going on this Tribes for Good thing in, in India, you know, back when I first, you know, was assigned to do it or was been asked to do it. So I said, Mary, I know this is a huge ask because she eventually decided she wasn't going to go. I said, this is a huge ask, and I totally understand if you don't go. But if you could go with me to India, I think I can still do it. So we went... I mean, she went, I mean, what a, I mean, this was over Thanksgiving. I mean, this was just like such a big thing. She left her family. She came with me to India. But anyway, she did go then. Yes, we did go. So we, we, we do the tribes for good thing. That was a week and we did that. And then we decided, of course, we're in India. So we're going to do a little bit further trip because, you know, you don't fly all that way and just fly right back. So we decided, well, we'd better go to the Taj Mahal, right? So. The Taj Mahal, like, first we're thinking, ah, oh, it's probably a cheesy tourist attraction. I mean, it is one of the seven wonders of the world, but nonetheless. So we thought, well, we better go there. So we, you know, did all these different things, went to Rajasthan, all these places. We go to the Taj Mahal, and I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's goosebumps. It is it is just an amazing spiritual place. You just feel it. I don't think anybody can go in there without feeling it. It's much more than a cheesy tourist attraction. Yes, there's a lot of people there, but it's magical. So anyway, we go there. My guide, you know, our, the guide that took us around, well, he told us the person that this, it's a monument to love. The person that is buried there, her name is Mumtaz. Her name I knew you were going to say, I'm thinking Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal, there's going to be a connection with the name here. Her name is Taz. <laughs> okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, it took 20,000 workers 22 years mm-hmm. to build this monument to love. There's that 222. Mm-hmm. So, and the other kind of interesting thing was, 
he also he spoke Hindi, of course, because he's from there. He spoke English to talk to us. He also spoke Spanish, which was Taz's major. She was a Spanish major. So we ended up leaving some of Taz's ashes there. I mean, I had just taken a little nice. bit with me. And so we left some of her ashes there. But then we leave there, and we go to this place called the Shiro's Hangout. And it's a bunch of women that were acid attack survivors. You know, in India, sadly, um, men sometimes still throw acid on their wives or, you know, because they didn't produce a male or whatever reason. So we go to this little, it's called Shiro's Hangouts, where these acid attack survivors have opened a cafe, and they freely give food and coffee. and tea. It's like a little coffee shop. So we wow. go there, and it was very clear to me that they were supposed to get the first grant from the 222 Foundation that Taz and I started. So uh, here we go to the Taj Mahal, we find the 222, and then we go, and there it is, the first recipient. Every year on February 22nd, we give a grant, and, you know, this had just happened four months before, so who are we going to get? So we go there, and that was who, so I was led there, yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So so you you have a couple minutes before the break. What is the goal of the 222 Foundation? Well, um, this came to me right away. It's, 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 we have three major goals. A change in consciousness is our greatest need. That's one of the things we look for projects to support the following. The change of consciousness is our greatest need um, is, is the first principle that we go for. Number two is that all people long to be creative and express themselves. That is, that is our need. We all need to express ourselves and be creative. And the third one is that we're all interconnected. So these women were changing the dominant paradigm. They were changing consciousness. They had gone from hiding in their homes because they had these disfigured faces, literally faces had been melted off, to giving and loving and, and just totally freely. I mean, you didn't have to pay anything, although most people would give them money, but it was totally free out of the goodness of their heart. So they were changing consciousness. And I felt like, and they were getting ready to move to a new space. And it's like, okay, there's where the first you know, grant's going to go. So it all just worked. I mean, it was just, I mean, goosebumpy kind of place. Ooh, you know, I got that, goosebumps. It yeah, it really How was did they like react that. to the gift? Well, I mean, we sent it in February, you know, February 22nd. So it took a while. And plus, trying to get money over to India was no easy thing. Like her foundation that is actually set up in Lawrence, Kansas, they couldn't do it. So I ended up having to send it directly myself, which was fine. I mean, I didn't mind doing that. But it, it took a little configuring to figure out how to get the money over there. But, oh, no, they were very happy. I I think they might have put up a little plaque to Taz if you go into Shears Hangout, although I'm not sure if they ever did it. I haven't been back since then. But. But but anyway, and then last February 22nd, you know, we had another grant that that we did. So we've had two February 22nds, two two 222s since since her passing. And it's it's $10,000, right? $10,222.22. And I've also (laughs) done a thing during the pandemic where we gave 22 charities $222 to the people that would do a stay-at-home dance, like a goofy stay-at-home dance. And I can talk about that after the break. But that was kind of fun. So we're always coming up with sort of fun, creative, goofy things to do. Awesome. Well, it's just a delight talking with you. And I hope all of you are enjoying it as much as I am. And come back after the break for more with Pam Grout.
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hi, everybody. Isn't this a fun conversation? We're talking with Pam Grout, New York Times bestselling author. Wow. Pam, was E Squared the one that got you that title, or were others also bestsellers? Was. It was my 16th book, and it went number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It's been translated into 40 languages. And it's kind of funny. People go, oh, you're an overnight success. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I've been writing for a long time. This is my 16th book. But the nice thing about once your book you know, goes big like that, people read all your other books, too. So it, it was yeah. a really nice, uh, nice thing to happen. I didn't realize that that one, I, I think I just read something, that E Squared was also based on A Course in Miracles. All of all of my Hay House books, I've, I'm a person who's done half travel books, like I've done books for National Geographic, half travel books and half inspirational self-help kind of books. Mm-hmm. And um, so now I don't even remember what your question was. Just that, <laughs> okay, um, it, that it was about A Course in Miracles. Oh, right. All of my inspirational books have respond basically from the principles in A Course in Miracles. Yeah, all of them. So, yeah. Wonderful. I remember that I, the reason I can't speak too authoritatively about it is because I, I loved your style. But as I was reading and I said, well, I already do these things about, you know, <laughs> asking for miracles, looking for signs and that kind of thing. Which, But if you, if you guys want a great trainer and how to do that, by all means, read E Squared. It's awesome. So speaking about signs, we were talking about your daughter, Taz, who crossed in October 2018. And I know she's reached out to you from across the veil, and one of those ways, well, you're going to laugh at this, is hedgehogs. And Pam, we have, we're on the road in our RV right now for several months, and we have our little dogs with us, and one of our dog toys is a hedgehog. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I mean, that's kind of random, don't you think? (laughs) Oh, it is kind of random. Although hedgehogs have become kind of popular now, but... It's it's a funny thing because Taz and I started in junior, when she was in junior high. I don't even know how it started, but we had a little game we would play. Like whoever would say hedgehog first on the first of every month, oh, they're going to have a lucky month. So it's just a funny thing we did. So when she got into college, of course, you know, college kids are up all night. So at 12.01, you know, on May 1st, June 1st, whatever, she would hedgehog me. She just sent a text, hedgehog, didn't wake me up or anything. And so then she went to Europe after she graduated. And, of course, Europe's seven hours earlier, so she'd always win the hedgehog competition. (laughs) But it's just a funny thing that we did. And then after she passed, um, at first I didn't, you know, hear anything or even think that much about hedgehogs, but on, I think it was about five months after she passed, on the 1st of maybe May or April, I don't remember which exact month, she sent me a hedgehog 
in the form of a story in the newspaper. It made international headlines about this rock star that had been walking his dogs, and he got little hedgehog, you know, spines, spokes, whatever they're called, in his nose, and he had to go to the hospital. And then that was on, say, May 1st, 8th, whatever it was. She has sent me a hedgehog every day on the first of the month, just like we used to do. So, for example, one time I was going to a friend's um, granddaughter's birthday party, one-year-old granddaughter's birthday party. So I go into the toy store and I say, hey, and it was you know, the first of one of the months. I said, hey, what's kind of a cool new toy for, for one-year-olds these days? You know, I'm, I'm out of the loop. So the little sales clerk trots me over to a stacking hedgehog toy. <laughs> and, and then things like um, I was doing an interview like this, and the, the, the woman that was interviewing me was in May. She goes, you were never going to believe this. This was May 1st of this year. She says, you were never going to believe this. There is a hedgehog in my backyard. This is on May 1st. Ooh. She said, we never have hedgehogs in our backyard. One day, I oh, this, the weirdest one was from her phone number. I got a little hedgehog from her phone number. So somebody else presumably has her phone number. So, I mean, just all different uh, ways these hedgehogs will show up on the first of the month. So that's like a real um, important sign for me. And I look forward to, you know, the first of the month always hearing some kind of hedgehog story. So anyway, that's cool that you also have a hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, some people, when you first started talking, if we have people who are new to the signs and they might think, well, okay, so May 1st you saw a hedgehog, but you ha- it's repeated for you and meaningful, and, but also like the lady interviewing her and seeing that. that you can't explain that any other way, that the con- higher consciousness in the form of Taz is playing with you. It's just wonderful. Well, and, and I've actually gotten myself a little hedgehog tattoo because of that. So that's kind of fun. And other little things, like, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. And, of course, you know, we're big Kansas City Chiefs fans. So here's – it was um, the coach's 222nd win. No. It happened on 222. So no. here's this 222 thing with the Super Bowl this year. You know that SpaceX that just was launched from Florida? It launched my time, 2.22. So, I mean, just all these amazing things happen. And as far as the hedgehog, yeah, you're right. People go, oh, yeah, she's just a groovy mother. She's grabbing at straws. But that this happens month after month. And it's been for, let's see, this is July. So it's been 15 months now, maybe not 12 Anyway, it's been at least 12 months, 12 times this has been repeated, you know, some kind of hedgehog sign, including one time I go to my mailbox and there's a book about hedgehogs. I mean, there's a hedgehog. We were at Harvard, you know, on I think this was uh, February 1st. Yes, I was speaking out there on February 1st. We go into the the museum, the Natural History Museum. There's a whole bunch of stuffed hedgehogs. I mean, you know, it's just. It's the, I think the, the anyway, key point here is there, you're you know? not looking for it actively. Yes, you expect it now, but you're not walking yeah. around saying, where's my hedgehog? It, all of a sudden, it's just in your face. Right. No, I could find them if I was looking for them. I'm just kind of open to that possibility every first of the month. And, of course, they always show up. And that's one of the experiments from that book, E Squared, that I think really made a big impact on people is, again, we animate into our life whatever we put our attention upon, right? That's kind of the principle. Whatever we put our attention upon, we animate into our life. So we're already connected to everything, right? I mean, we're connected to everything. It's all, we're all one. But we put our attention on problems. But so I encourage people people to put their attention on 
you know, that's one of the experiments, you know, put your attention on white feathers or, or, you know, red birds or, you know, make up your own sign, but just put your attention on that and see how many you see. And people, I mean, the stories people have sent me about that are just remarkable, including one, this is a pretty funny one. Um, she decided to look for white feathers. I think in the book I say green cars or yellow feathers, I don't know, but she decided white feathers. So this woman's doing this, but she just forgot about it, you know, said it and forget it, whatever. So she and her family go out geocaching. They're driving home, and all of a sudden, you know, they're on this highway driving home after this fun afternoon of geocaching. This is in the 48-hour period that I, you know, put forth in the experiment. And all of a sudden, her this traffic slows down. It's like this traffic jam, and her daughter goes, Mom, somebody must have killed a chicken. <laughs> Lining the highway for three miles were white feathers. She said that, you know, they got through, and her daughter said, or she she said, I don't know if a mattress truck, you know, overturned or what, but there were three miles, this is in South Carolina, of white feathers. And then, you know, the traffic clears back up, they get home, on their, their mat, their welcome mat, when they walked in the front door, it was one mm-hmm. white feather. So how cool that's is that? The, that's, that was kind of one of my dude, favorite That's the dude, right? Stories. That's the dude saying, are you <laughs> paying dude, attention? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pam, you discussed something called the possibility state versus the problem state. Would you talk about that? Well, yeah, it goes back to that thing about, you know, we animate into our life. And I think most people, I think the state of the world is we're focused on problems. What could go wrong? We're always trying to solve problems and fix all our problems. Well, what the Course in Miracles says, if we quit fixating on all our problems, because the natural state of the world is problem-free, that's what we would see. But we're all we're doing is seven steps to fix this problem and seven steps to you know do this or that. That is mm. how we see the world, problem state. So if we get into what I call possibility state, and that is what I feel like The Course in Miracles does, that's what I feel like these experiments from, from my book. And also I have a book about gratitude. You know, when you start focusing on gratitude, you animate more things to be grateful for into your life. So that's also possibility state. Possibility state means anything could happen, right? I mean, anything. But we're so focused on problems and fixing all the problems that possibilities are outside of our awareness. I mean, they're there. We're just not seeing them. And if you're listening to this in the archives, rewind right there and listen to that whole conversation right there all over again. Boy, is there a lot of wisdom in that, Pam. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what did wow. I say? Were you brought up in a family that was spiritually aware? Uh, my father was a Methodist minister, so I grew up in a pretty um, standard uh, definition of God. In fact, there are people in my family that are, you know, praying for my soul. It was as probably as we speak, you know. So, so I huh. kind of veered off from a real traditional spirituality, but but I was always spiritual, and we always believed in prayer. And I feel like from the time I was a kid, I kind of think I would kind of like go into other dimensions and stuff. So I think I was always kind of a little bit aware of some of these bigger things than what I probably learned from my hymnal or my Bible or, or whatever. So, um, so yes, I, I was raised in a family that, of course, would believe in miracles, but more, more in the sense of the traditional miracles, you know, like mm-hmm. in the Bible, those kind of miracles. And, and did you re- then raise Taz that way, or did she have her own way? You know, somebody just asked me that the other day, and I was really clear. I, you know, I heard the old saying, God doesn't have grandchildren. <laughs> I 
meaning that, you know, each person has their own connection to the bigger thing, right? I mean, we can't really do it for our kids. I think our kids learn the most from watching us and observing us. So I didn't really try to indoctrinate her into anything. I did take her to a Unity Church from time to time. I mean, because, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Unity Churches. So I did take her to a Unity Church. Um, one of my proudest moments as a parent, she and her friend Ashley, that she was four or five, they were playing mommy in the backyard. You know, her friend Ashley, you know, dutifully was doing the dishes and, you know, putting her child Taz to bed, you know, doing the things, playing mommy. And then Taz was like, okay, it's my turn to be mommy. I'm going to go meditate. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's great. <laughs> so anyway, so, no, I didn't have a real structured uh, thing for her. But like I said, she was already the wisest most, you know, connected person in the room. I mean, she always was wherever she went. So actually, to be honest, Suzanne, I think she taught me a lot more than I could ever teach her. And I think that's what our children know. You know, like in my book, E-Cubed, I tell that story about the little four-year-old boy that is bugging his parents. He wants to go talk to the new baby sister. And he's just adamant. He wants alone time with the new baby sister. You've heard this story. I love this story. Please continue. Yeah, so, so anyway, he's like, Mom, I have, and their parents are like, you know, they've read all the books on sibling rivalry, like, what's going on? Why does Johnny want to go have this alone time with baby sister? But finally, he would not give up on this, so they say, okay, fine. So they, you know, they're outside the door, and he creeps in, and he peeks over in the bassinet, and he goes, tell me about God. I'm starting to forget. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I love that story, and I think... So that's what I mean. Someone gave me the advice, you know, when I was pregnant. Again, I was this, you know, single 37-year-old pregnant woman, and somebody said to me, you know, instead of trying to get her to move at your speed, you know, come on, come on, put your shoes on, let's go, let's go, slow down and move at her speed. Because, you know, kids know things. Kids, you know, oh, look, there's a ladybug. Oh, look, there's a – look at this flower. I mean, they just know things. And so I think – Whoever gave me that piece of advice, I owe them a thank you letter because I did try to do that. You know, I tried to see the world through Taz's eyes to a certain extent. I think, like I said, I think kids, you know, have stuff to teach us. Absolutely. Be as the little child. Great, great advice. Yeah. So in your grief, you speak about benefiting from what you call the kindness of strangers. I would love to hear about that. Oh, my gosh, Suzanne. You know, Because I shared openly on my blog, you know, ever since E Squared, I have, you know, thousands of people that follow my blog, you know, follow me on social media. Where do we find that? Oh, pamgrout.com, if anybody wants to subscribe. But I'm also, you know, Twitter, Pam Grout. If you know my name, you can find me on social media. But anyway, because I shared so openly, I, I mean, just the most remarkable miracles. I mean, to this day, I have people sending me their pictures of 222. So actually, Taz, I feel like, is communicating to people all over the world. But the one story that really stands out, and I'm actually, you know, possibly going to do some kind of book or card deck or something with this, but this artist from Germany, from Hamburg, Germany, decided she was going to paint a flower for Taz every week for 52 weeks and you know somebody tells you something like that and you're like yeah right i mean you know yeah she'll probably Mm -hmm. do it for two or three weeks this woman painted me a flower from taz for taz whatever every single week for 52 weeks i mean who does that who does i mean that is just beautiful so 
you know, one of the ideas I have, and I think I might have mentioned this to Hay House, about doing a deck of cards, because, you know, the grieving process, like you can read a book, but, you know, it's something you need daily. You need weekly. You need to be reminded over and over. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe a deck of cards with her flowers, you know, and with some of these messages, you know, that there is a bigger picture, that there is a way to be connected. You know, some of those kind of messages that people could literally read, pull out one, you know, with a deck of cards, Anytime maybe they even needed it, you know. I mean, I've been led to all kinds of amazing quotes, stories about this connection that we share, including, you know, meeting you and, of course, like I said, Anita Morjani and New Taz. I mean, you know, so all these people But, you know, that 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 woman who was doing – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the woman doing the artwork, she was – that kindness – can you imagine the joy that brought her for a full year? So it, I'm just encouraging everybody that's listening, if you're grieving, do something like that for someone else. It goes both ways, doesn't it, Pam? Oh, it certainly does. I mean, but that, this woman followed through on this. Every Saturday, every Saturday, I would get a beautiful new flower that she painted. And then she auctioned them off in the in the end, you know, the actual originals, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, for the deck of cards, we'd still have, you know, we have um, it, digital images. But she, and if people um, bought them to raise money for the 222 Foundation. So, I mean, what oh, a gosh. wonderful thing that she's done for me. I mean, that was just such a beautiful gift. And literally, like I said, people... Because my books are about this topic, you know, the bigger thing or whatever, the bigger world, I do have a lot of people that send me stories, including, you know, Taz, in addition to speaking Spanish, she also spoke Arabic, and somebody told me they had a vision. You know when that, because her father was from New Zealand, and remember when that mosque killing happened? Someone said they had a vision of Taz being there to welcome those people that had past. And again, she spoke Arabic, although, you know, they're in New Zealand, they probably spoke English as well. But, you know, just so many different ways where Taz, I think, is influencing people. And I mean, uh, there's not a week or we go by where I don't get two or three messages from somebody, a 222 message or, Hmm. or something. I mean, you know, so she, I feel like Taz, you know, the other thing that Psychic had told me when she said my next thing was motherhood was that this kid I was going to have was going to be a great spiritual leader. And I'm like, oh, this is the most ridiculous. And I used to tell Taz that, and she's like, oh, Mom, please, come on. <laughs> you know, she, but in some way, yeah. again, you know, you step back from the bigger picture. I mean, who knows what's going to happen from all of this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, as I don't know if you've come to this part in my book, but my great spiritual practice is um, – Colonel Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing. You know, like what I know is so limited compared to what is possible. That's why you know that whole possibility yeah. thing. It's like what I know. I mean, I, 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 all I see is what my little limited pea brain will tell me. You know, but there's so much more, and I think that's what the kind of work you do and this connection that we have to the other side. That's the so much more that we all can access if we can give up our investment in problems and our investment in you know the, what the ego is telling us you know that yeah. this is all there is and you know life sucks and then you die you know that kind of thing that the ego likes That's to tell exactly us exactly right just pay attention to the thoughts and how we talk ourselves out of things i've just had some lessons in that in the last few days probably from reading your book but uh <laughs> ask my, my husband ty listens to all these shows ask ty this book has been lying beside my bed the whole time we've been on the road not just the past week because you're coming on the show i i got it before long before we asked you on the show Mm. love your stuff well you know one of the things I say is that you know in our thoughts and what we think about ourselves 
just like you don't go into a department store and pick out the ugliest outfit and carry it to the counter. I mean, who would do that? Or you don't go into a restaurant and, and pick out, you know, the, the, the dish you most hate and then order that. But look at what we do with our thinking. You know, we pick the thoughts that are the most uh, unha- unhappy. I mean, why do we pick those thoughts? Because, you know, we do have, you know, there are thoughts. I mean, the Course in Miracles is love or fear, love or fear. You know, we get to choose. And part of the training is learning that we do get to choose because a lot of people think, oh, it's just what happens. No, it's just what we've gotten used to, you know, this kind of yep. negative problem state we're just used to that we think that's the way the world is but no it's not yeah and some people might say that's pollyanna but the news wants us to focus on the negative that's what keeps us listening but i was just talking to my wonderful assistant bev and she was saying i choose that to make that not my world and to focus on you know what i can change is the old serenity prayer right right well, one of the things I've said is that watching too much news is like pinning a please kick me sign to your back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, because really, what's it going to tell you? It's going to, and in fact, I, another thing I used to say, you know, I, I used to write for a newspaper. You know, I was a journalist. I got a journalism degree. I was a feature writer for a newspaper. And I used to say I was a member of the world's largest terrorist organization. Oh, my. That's pretty the harsh. Media. <laughs> Well, Probably why you're freelancing know, you know. now for several reasons. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so now I, yeah, I, I get but, to write about more positive things. But just to, to prove the point here of what we've been talking about, I just opened your book at random. And for those of you who just joined us, it's The Course in Miracles Experiment, a starter kit for rewiring your mind. I opened up to the phrase that I circled and starred. There is always another way to look at this. And that's right. the point. We, we get to choose. Right, and one of the main practices, and I would say I do this one more than anything else, if I'm seeing something that makes me unhappy, one of those ugly outfits, you know, that I'm carrying to the counter, I'll say, (laughs) Holy Spirit, help me see this differently. It talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, but that's just, you know, the bigger thing. Help me see this differently. And we have to ask for help because, again, we're so used to seeing things one way, so we need to appeal to help. And there is help available, 24-7 help, if we simply ask for it. Help me see this differently. Help me see this differently. Like, help me see Taz's death differently. Help me see this limited um, pandemic differently. You know, just whatever it might be. Help, help me see this differently. Oh, so helpful. Wow. So you really do live this – you don't just write about well, it. I love I that. Well, I really try. But, no, I mean, I'm human and I – I mess yeah. up. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. It's important to me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So I found when I write that it's I just get caught up in it. It is a joy to write. And surely you feel the same way. But what of which one of your 20 books brought you the most joy? Wow, that's an interesting question. I love all of them. I really do. I mean, they're like the travel books bring me a lot of joy because I love to travel. Um, but I'm, I'm very proud of every single one of my books, I have to say. Um, in fact, really, sometimes, like you said, oh, you should read, you know, read messages from my book, you know, while you're coupling your grief. I thought, yeah, no, I need to go back and read my own books from time to time. I really do. Yes. Because, see, I believe that if you're really available to the muses, the bigger thing, whatever you want to call it, there's messages that the world needs, right? So writers, if they're really paying attention, they're going to get those messages. And I'm just like the secretary, you know. I'm just I'm a satellite dish bringing in those messages. That's my yeah. job. 
My job mm-hmm. is not to be a writer, create something. My job is to listen, you know, and then write down what I hear. And I forget so it let's, sometimes. <laughs> let's turn that around for our listeners today. What's your best suggestion for everybody listening, how they can better access a higher vibrational state, when, whether writing or in, in a conversation with somebody? Well, I'm big on gratitude. You know, just find something, anything. You know, like, hey, the sun came up this morning. If that's all you can muster at this point, you know, well, the sun did come up this morning. And when it comes to, you know, shining like parents, it's like, well, we know we'll see our, our kids again. You know, that's something to be grateful for. And I'm just so grateful that I got to be a mom because, again, I was 37, single. I mean, I couldn't you know, not even been able to be a mom. So how lucky was I that I did get to be a mom? Now, it turned out a little differently than I had expected. But again, that was my pea brain uh, plan on how life was supposed to be. So, yeah, so anyway. I can see how it, even right now it'd be very easy to have a pity party and go to that place. And I'm sure you do from time to time. But oh, I believe I do, that once you, sure. yeah, when you start living this way, though, don't you catch yourself faster? Yeah. And again, it's just a lot more fun to live. You know, I I think of myself as a layer cake. I think all of us kind of are. So, you know, there's that layer of the material again, and that's kind of painful. You know, I, I, you know, there's the story that goes with that. Oh, I'll never have a grand, I'll never have grandkids. Oh, I'll never, you know, Taz and I were looking for her to buy a house. I mean, you know, just all these things that just got stripped Mm -hmm. away and that's really painful. But this idea that we're still connected and that I will see her and that this, this material world is such a it's, such, it's a blink of an eye, you know, in the whole scheme of eternity. And, it, you know, so I really believe in the infinite. So, you know, this what I have left here in this material plane is very minimal. So anyway, it's just like that layer just feels better to me than that other layer. And there's so many different layers, you know, that we can all so many different planes of existence we can all we can all focus on. And so do you continue to meditate regularly? I do. I do. In fact, I meditated before our call today because, again, I wanted to be, you know, of most service to anybody listening. But, yeah, no, I do. I, I want to, you know, be of service. I mean, I'm here still, so might as well make the most of it, right, and be of service in whatever way I can. Beautiful. And working with your daughter to carry that her legacy for it is just great. So with less than a minute to go, any final words, a broader perspective on all of this, your work, your experiences? Wow. Well, you know, I'm all about smooth and easy and making things easy, making things fun. So um, just, again, focus on gratitude. I think that's – okay, one little piece of advice is don't listen to that voice in your head, you know, the voice that tells you, you know, that everything sucks. I mean, there's always that <laughs> voice, but don't – we need to be suspicious of that voice in your head. I mean, any voice that's telling you things like that, that you're not good enough, why would you listen to somebody like that? We'd, we'd toss, you know, some guy talked to us that way. We'd toss him out the back door, you know? Exactly. That is a perfect, perfect ending. So if you need more positive words, just rewind. Like I said, Pam, this was inspiring and awesome. You are awesome. I thank you so much. And everybody run out and get her books. They rock. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa 
and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.